Welcome to the Mind Boss Project. We're leading the war against the societal programming for a fat, broke, and unhappy population. Our mission is to make you the boss of your mind to free you from this very societal programming. Welcome. I'm one of your co-hosts, Gabe Pluges. What's up? I'm your other co-host, Jack Bly. And today we have an incredible guest, someone who started an entrepreneur in an entrepreneurship selling sneakers to closing multiple six figures in sales. So welcome, Alex Hyden. How are you doing today? Doing awesome. Appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely, man. We're super excited for this conversation. So um, first things first, why and how exactly did you get into entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I basically grew up in like a pretty traditional upbringing. Um, you know, both parents went to college. My dad ended up going into corporate finance. My brother's just finishing his degree at um, Indiana's Kelly School of Business, double major in finance and business analytics, and accepted a job in corporate finance. Um, so I was kind of expecting to go down the same rabbit hole. Um, and I had, you know, no negative feelings towards it because it just seemed normal. Um, you know, I was planning on, you know, I got accepted into some top universities. Um, like Case Western, Babson, Carnegie Mellon. So I was like, you know, go to a great business school, get that degree, corporate finance, investment banking, like that whole deal. Um, and then I just kept researching more and more into the job position. And then I was like, these guys are working like 80 to 100 hours per week. So I worked a summer job and I made like $900. Um, and then I just really didn't like having the boss, like the whole, you know, the whole kind of stereotypical thing everyone says, I didn't like being told what to do. And so I got into sneaker reselling, like you said, and I think I made like $20,000 over the course of like nine months. Um, you know, obviously not a lot of money, but for someone that was like a junior in high school, it was. And it kind of just showed me that like, okay, like there are more opportunities available to me than like what I was aware of. And so that was when, you know, when I came to college, then I couldn't really keep reselling shoes. I was in a small dorm room. I didn't have a car my freshman year, which was like, I used a car to go to the stores, obviously. And so that was what got me looking into online businesses because I was like, okay, now I know there's other ways. And so now I need to find something new to do. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Um, I, I love how um, you kind of start to look at the traditional route, even though there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. Um, no. But you realize that, that there's that's just not for you. And I think that's right. what kind of spurs a lot of entrepreneurs um, into making that first step. They kind of realize that the standard route isn't really for them. Right. Um, so when you're kind of growing up, um, looking at your dad, obviously looking at your older brother going down that standard route, seeing no te technically no negative um, you know, outcomes from that. Did you or did you see yourself becoming kind of like this big dog entrepreneur moneymaker um, at that time? Or is it something that you were completely foreign to, completely opposed to at any point in your life? So I was pretty foreign to it. Um, I didn't exactly, I didn't exactly know what to, like what was, I, I don't want to say realistic because right, like people say, yeah. oh, 99% of entrepreneurs fail, whatever. Um, but I wasn't familiar with any of the business models, but then I actually saw one of this, he, we didn't go to the same high school, but he went to a high school, like 20 minutes away from my house. And mm -hmm. he put on a story, a Shopify screenshot, and he had done like $280,000 in revenue in one month. And I just like messaged him and I was like, dude, like, what are you doing? 
And he explained the dropshipping business model to me. So then of course I started trying that out and I never really found success in that. But then once I like realized that and I saw someone that I knew and like grew up with having that type of success, that was when I was like, okay, like, I don't know how long it's going to take me to like get to this level, but like, if he's doing it, like I can get there. Yeah, absolutely. I think so many people who are just interested in venturing down an alternative route in, in any area, whether it be entrepreneurship, business, athletics, fitness, they don't believe that, you know, losing 20 pounds is possible for them until they meet someone in person and they have that right. in-person impact and it's kind of tangible and they realize, you know what, if this guy can do it, I can definitely do it. Right. Exactly. And it is really cool, especially it. You know, it's even better if it's someone that you know and you trust that's yeah. saying like, hey, this is a real thing. You know, it's not a scam. It's not mm -hmm. a garish quick scheme. And, you know, you really get to hear it from someone that you trust. Yeah, I'm sure like everyone listening right now, they've seen the ads like on Facebook or on Instagram. Right. Uh, the, the Lambos, the money, all the crazy stuff. And it's hard to believe it all looks like a scam from the outside until you see that that person that you know or someone that you've met maybe on online and they're like, oh, I've actually done this. That's when something clicks in your brain, like, oh, this thing is real. Maybe it's possible for me too. Absolutely. So, um, what I'm curious about is kind of run us through um, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Because I know you mentioned that you still have classes right now and, you know, obviously you have a lot going on. So take us through what yeah. that looks like. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. So I, I play tennis in college as well. Um, and, you know, it's the spring now. So now we're actually in season. So we have like matches you know, we have matches on the weekdays, sometimes, sometimes on the weekends, but um, like today I had weights at 7am. Um, so, you know, yeah. got a early start to the day and then I kind of just ate breakfast, relaxed for a bit, showered. And then I had um, class from 9.30 to 11. And then from about 12 to like 1.30, I did some work, which is like, basically I'm just working on building systems right now and doing a little bit of outreach on things like LinkedIn. Um, then I, went to the store to do my grocery shopping for the week and then I pop it on here. And you know, the rest of my day looks like doing a little bit more work, a few more outreach messages. Um, I think I've got an onboarding call later for our software. Um, and then I've got to eat dinner, do a little bit of homework. And then our practice is from nine to 11 at night. So, oh, so oh, really? yeah, it's, it's a pretty tough schedule right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's actually an awesome thing to hear because so many people are hesitant to get into these quote unquote side hustles that are actually making you more than most people's full-time income because they think they have to drop right. everything. But you're the example here showing that you can literally balance a division one college athletic schedule, staying on top of your classes at a prestigious university for, a, I'm guessing, a really high level degree that's not easy and managing right. being this big hitter who is not only making money, but helping a ton of other people make more money. Right. Yeah. And that's like, I, I didn't do a very good job of balancing it my freshman year um, yeah. per se, just because my freshman year, the mistake that I made was in my freshman year, we had practice from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. So kind of mm -hmm. like the opposite extreme, obviously super early, we'd had to wake up at five. Um, and where I really messed up was the only thing was I bought into like the Gary V mentality, honestly, of just like, mm -hmm like suck it up, like eat shit, like all that type <laughs> of stuff. Um, and so I, I thought I was like hustling and grinding. I mean, like I was, but I was going to bed at like 12 or one and waking up at five. And, you know, you guys know yeah. as well as anyone else, like that's so unhealthy for you. Like my energy levels were so low. Um, and so like, yeah. you know, like I, I made it work for a few months, but that's what I would say. Like 
I, I don't believe like that's something you should have to do. But again, now this semester, that's not something that you should have to do. You should be able to balance it and still maintain a healthy lifestyle as well. Yeah. So could you fill us in on maybe some strategies that you use to actually balance that maybe work-life balance per se and how you came to that discovery yourself? Yeah, absolute biggest productivity, like game changer I made was actually back in like November. And it's like so simple too. It's just the night before, every single night before I just completely plan out my next day. Um, And so like I do, I normally do 90 minute business work blocks And then within my 90 minute work blocks, I put down my two most important tasks. And then I also give myself how long um, I can take on each task. So if I have to do, let's say like 20 outreach messages, I'll be like, okay, I'll give myself 45 minutes to do this. And then I'll have, you know, the other 45 minutes to do whatever else my big task is. Um, And so, you know, by giving myself a time limit on to complete the task and then just planning out my whole day. So like, there's never, there's never even like downtime of like, okay, I've got like, 45 minutes right now, what should I be doing? Like, mm-hmm. I know what I have to be doing every single part of the day. And that really, really helps me. Yeah, that's huge. That's something that literally every single guest that we've had on, um, whether or not they specialize in like psychology, business, um, fitness, whatever it may be, has iterated that point in some way, shape or form. And this is something that Jack and I went through when we first started as well, like literally waking up, you know, four hours of sleep, just thinking like this, this pain is good. Like not, not being yeah. able to like see where I'm driving in the morning is good. I'm, I'm grinding, but people underestimate how much that lack of rest and lack of recovery is actually taking from, for, from their ability to work in those 90 minute blocks. And I'd be willing to bet that your 90 minute blocks are that much more productive um, now than they were when you were doing twice as many 90 minute blocks. It, it's insane. Like I can honestly, in like one 90 minute work block, I probably get more done than I used to in like an entire day of just scrambling yeah. around doing a bunch of tasks whenever they'd come to mind. Mm. Yeah. I think an underrated part of it that you mentioned is actually like kind of giving yourself those time limits. Cause I don't know who said that this quote, but I definitely, I I've lived this to be true, but work tends to fit the time allotted. So if you give yourself these deadlines you're forced to find a way to actually get the work done by this deadline. But if you don't have that deadline and you're just saying, Oh, I'm going to get this done sometime this week, you're going to find yourself Friday comes around. You still haven't done anything. So having those right. deadlines of, Oh, I need to get this task done by this specific time. I think that's critical. Yeah. It's a huge help for sure. Cool, man. So one thing I wanted to get your take on is I know you're a division one college athlete, um, which may not be very well understood kind of on like our side of Twitter, but we kind of understand I, I was an athlete throughout high school as well and had a few opportunities to go like D3 and volleyball, but didn't explore those, <laughs> wasn't quite as good as you. But on the athletic side, people understand that the level of performance and the level of having to be present and having to take action and having to have kind of cutthroat gut mentality is as high as it is on the business side, just kind of in a different realm. So I wanted to ask you if you think the lessons that you've had to learn on match points in tennis matches and those intense heated battles and in the training, if you've been able to transfer any of those lessons from tennis into your business. Yeah, absolutely. And it's honestly gone both ways. And so obviously like tennis is, you know, a very mental sport and in yeah. college tennis, yeah, everyone thinks of tennis is like this very like quiet, respectful sport, which mm-hmm. like is what it's supposed to be. But in college, it's 
very loud, very chirp yeah. the other team. You know, this guy's tight. This guy's choking, like that type <laughs> of deal. Um, and so, you know, I, and again, it's a bit of a cliche, but I started meditating, you know, a couple months ago, like over the summer um, and, you know, just becoming more mindful of my thoughts. And so like two things that I started doing in business over the summer that I got from Iman Godzi when I got his course was, you know, just like one, writing down your goals every single morning. And before you go to bed, like visualizing what you, you know, what you want your life to look like, right? What, how you want to feel when it happens and like big moments of your life. How does it feel like just, you know, picturing yeah. all the emotions. Cause again, you know, your subconscious can't really tell the difference then. Um, so I started doing that for tennis. Like you said, like, how will I feel on a match point? Like, how will I react when someone cheats? How, like, and just planning all these things out before they happen. And so then when they do happen, it's not a surprise. It's not freaking me out. It's not making me stressed. It's not doing all these different things. Um, and because truthfully, I wasn't very good at composing myself and like yeah. on the court, like two years ago, I would get pissed off. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, learning how to compose myself, I think I give a big credit to meditation. And then also, you know, I tell this to people, you know, you don't have, you never have like business problems. You have personal problems that reflect in your business. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's the same deal then in tennis too. Like I, I don't have, uh, you know, a problem with my technique or whatever, not right. if I'm playing bad, it's because there's something that I'm doing wrong when I'm practicing. Like my intensity right. is not where it should be. I'm not moving my feet how I should. I'm not sleeping how I should. I'm not eating how I should, you know? Um, you know, I'm a big believer that everything is inputs and outputs. And so I'm like, okay, like if you were in, and you know, we even talked about this as a team the other day when we didn't get the result that we wanted after a match. And we were basically all just, you know, upset and basically complaining. But I was like, you know, we're complaining about the output. And I was like, this output is not going to change unless we reverse engineer it and say, okay, right. what inputs have we been doing and what do we need to change in our inputs to give us a better output next time? Yeah, that's huge, man. Yeah. That is, that is some incredible insight there that everything, no matter if it's in the athletic realm or in the business realm, it always comes back to the personal things, the individual things of what's going on in your mind. Um, that's really something that I find incredible, but I'm really curious, and I'm sure the people listening right now are very curious on really filling in the gaps. So we talked about how you kind of got into entrepreneurship. You started with reselling sneakers, but where are you now and how did you get there? Yeah, so it's been like a pretty nuts last last year and a few months now. Um, so basically, again, I tried dropshipping, no success. They really bought a bunch of courses for it. Um, and, you know, one of my buddies, Caden, kind of introduced me to the phone sales business model. It was like, okay, you could be the one selling these drop shipping courses and taking a commission from it. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I just bought all these drop shipping courses. I understand like the mentality of why someone would buy it and all these different things. So I was like, I think I'll give it a shot. Um, and it took off really, really quickly. Um, and so, you know, I started it in January of 2020. I got my first client in like three days. We hit our first 10 K month in April. Um, and then we were just really inconsistent because I had no systems. I had very little discipline in my business, no routines. Um, but then I got Iman's course in June, helped me implement systems. And then, you know, we got more consistent with our five-figure months um, around July or August. Um, and so then my agency started getting really systemized. I removed myself very heavily from it towards the end of 2020. And with this course that I joined, there's a WhatsApp group chat and there's like, 80 ish 
agency owners in there now. All of them are doing at least 10K a month, some of them up to 100K a month. So like very high level agency owners. Um, and they were coming to me for sales advice. And they were saying like, can we hire your agency? And my sales agency charged $1,000 a month plus 25% commission. And it just like wasn't doable for them because they have to pay their media buyers, their appointment setters, all these different things. Like, it would just kill their margin. Um, and so then they were like, okay, like, can you get me commission only sales reps and like different things like this? And I was like, no, no, no. And then I kind of just realized like how much money I was leaving on the table. Um, and so then we started this program where we would train people to be a sales rep. And then we would guarantee them a client because that's the hardest part of becoming a closer is find clients because we became recruiting partners for these agencies. And then we would just pair them up. Um, and so we still are doing that and that's going really well. But then I was like, okay, but you know, we do have to charge a hefty fee for the training because it's, you know, it's not easy to train someone to yeah. be uh, a great sales rep. And we do it in like five to eight weeks. Um, and so I was like, you know, one of my buddies FaceTime me and he just was like, dude, like you need to like drop everything you're doing and start like a SAS. Um, and so we talked and we like brainstormed and I told him about what I was doing. And he was basically like, how can you automate the majority of your value delivery, which is providing a sales, a trained sales rep that's commission yeah. only to agency owners. He was like, how can you automate that? And so we basically ended up creating our own like Fiverr or Upwork, but specific for agency owners or coaches, consultants, whatever, to hire commission-only sales reps that are best fit for them. Um, and so that's where my focus has been. We built the, you know, the MVP V1 and we launched it really, really successful. There's, you know, every single agency owner that has hired and onboarded a rep, their rep has closed a deal for them. Um, you know, like one of them closed like 29K cash collected first month with like a 60% close rate, like really nuts results. Um, and so we've really been focusing on scaling that. And now V2 is about to launch in like a few days from now we just have like filter based search. So basically, you know, based on like the agency's inputs, they can say like, okay, our average deal size is like 3000 to $5,000 retainers. We're in like the, the roofing niche and we're expecting 10 calls per week. And then based on those inputs, it'll match them up with a closer that's best fit for that role. Incredible. What a journey, man. There's a lot yeah, going on. <laughs> it's, going on it's been it's been absolutely nuts um and so yeah that's been basically now with that i bought like a software to do automated linkedin campaigns and i'm in the process of trying to hire a cold email agency and then we're going to record a vsl with like a demo of the software and start to run ads for it soon so yeah pretty crazy yeah, man, that's awesome. You started literally from the look like almost the lowest level and you almost maximized that doing like 20K literally by reselling shoes. And now you're in the business of not just selling something, but creating a service that builds other businesses up. So my question is, being that you're already functioning at such a high level and you've gone from the bottom, it seems like you've almost climbed the mountain. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? So in the next five years, the reason that I also built Closeify, right? Because my agency is basically where I rent out my internal sales team. And then when my, when my sales reps close a deal for someone, I get half of their commission, right? So like I could have done that with every single agency owner in that group chat. And I would be making a lot more and like passive income monthly. And it was something that I weighed heavily, but the thing is I can't sell that. And so that's the reason I built Closeify because I'm sure you guys have seen on Twitter, like 
SAS has like a crazy exit multiplier. Um, and so I really want to sell it in the next probably 24 months, so two years, and then use that capital to really just start doing passion projects. Um, mm -hmm. Whatever that may be at the time, I don't really know. It could literally be like open a tennis academy. It could literally be kind of like private equity and like investing a little bit of money and my expertise into smaller businesses and then, you know, building them up, taking a bit of equity, exiting those businesses. Um, but I really just want to get an exit in the next two to three years to kind of just, you know, have enough to live off of honestly, and then be able yeah. to solely focus on passion projects. Because while I do enjoy what I do, it's not like I leap out of bed absolutely ecstatic about going on LinkedIn and, you know, having conversations with people. Um, like I don't mind it, but it's not my true passion. And yeah. so that's where I'm trying to get in the next two to three years. So that way, after that, it's solely passion projects. Yeah, I love it. So, so one thing that stood out to me when you're kind of describing your journey of building up your agency and constantly refining it, getting feedback, trying to create systems, trying to systemize, trying to automate, trying to do all these things. It sounds like the big theme was systemizing and automating. Was that something that you learned along the way? And if you could maybe go back to when you started and give yourself some piece of advice, what would that be? It's something that I took way too long to do. The value of a good team is like the highest ROI thing ever. Like I brought on my friend in like February to help me do follow-ups with leads. I continued to train him. I and I continued to teach him about the business model. And now he's been completely running my agency for like the past two or three months. Like he takes all the sales calls, like everything. And he's also the one that trains our closers in our coaching program. Having him available and working in my business is incredible. It's like he, he does an incredible job and he loves it and sales is his absolute passion. Like he's watching, you know, he's watching Jordan Belfort videos. He's reading the way of the wolf. He's reading two books a month on sales. Like it's just his absolute passion and having him on the team makes my life a million times easier. So one hundred percent. I took way too long to remove myself. Like for the longest time I was, I was a business. I wasn't a business owner. Um, yeah. so yeah, remove yourself as soon as you can. Like it, you know, it's tough because right. Your, your margins are going to dip. Like that's inevitable when you remove right. yourself. Um, but at the same time now, like, like last week, I, I probably worked like one day in the last week before like yesterday. Um, and like being able to do that is nice because I had, you know, I have so many things that are taking up my mental bandwidth between school, tennis and business. Mm -hmm. So I needed a bit to just kind of relax, like, you know, sit back, see, see what we need to do and then just prepare for the next week. Um, and being able to do that is incredible. So yeah. I would have removed myself way sooner and I would have put more emphasis on building a great team and a great culture around me. Yeah. So the big question is for business owners who are listening, who may have had some success or are still on their path toward what they consider success, how do they know when the right time for them to remove themselves from the business and systemize and build that team is? Right. And so what I, I normally tell people is when you feel like all the day-to-day -day tasks that you have to do is holding you back from really being able to focus on, on things that are going to move your needle, right? So like, for example, in my agency, like tasks that are going to move the needle forward for me, is doing outreach 
Um, yeah. So that's the only thing that I still do for my agency is outreach because that's the only thing that moves the needle forward. And I haven't been able to outsource it efficiently because no one can do it. People suck at outreach. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, BAs aren't very good at it either. Um, but so when you are doing so many day-to-day tasks that prevent you from doing things that only move the needle forward, that's right. when you need to outsource. That's when you need to remove yourself. That's when you need to get a team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one thing I want to get into a little bit is sales because I know this kind of where you really started a lot of things and you have a lot of expertise in this area. There's probably some people who really want to improve their sales game that are listening to this right now. So what is the best advice you would give to someone who wants to improve their sales skills? The first thing that I'd say is like, be yourself. Like people think about sales and they think they're going to be, you know, this Jordan Belfort, like the only thing that you're going to regret is not buying more soon or like that type of deal. Um, whereas like people are smart, like they're getting smarter and they're going to see straight through you. If you start trying these like really BS tactics, yeah. and fake scarcity and all this other stuff. And like, People think like, I'm not a salesman. Like I'm a pretty introverted dude. Um, and I have no problem with sales just because I just, I don't try to act like someone that I'm not. And that's what I see a lot of people do. Like if you are actually like yourself and you're having a genuine conversation with someone, you're going to put yourself in a much better position than if you try to be someone you're not and try all these tactics, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one thing that so many people um, have to kind of learn the hard way is that at the end of the day, a sales call, quote unquote, is still just a conversation. You still have to listen to the lead and you have to see if you can actually solve their problem. And they, everyone gets so convoluted and focused on, you know, what, how am I going to handle the objection that they haven't even made? Or did I pre-qualify them enough? And they're getting all convoluted and they don't even listen to what the customer or potential customer is saying. Yep. That's a great point. That's something that we talk about. You know, it's, that's passive listening, right? If you're, right. if you're just thinking about what you're going to say next while they're talking, you might not even pick up what they're actually saying. They might be exactly. saying something, but they might mean something completely different that you could only pick up if you're actively listening. So that's what we say. Listen, listen, listen. I love it. I want to put you on the spot with this interesting question. I thought, and I think you, you kind of hit it out your answer to this, but do you think being a good salesman or closer is something that you're born with or something that anyone can learn? I think it's something that anyone can learn because I was absolutely atrocious when I started. Like I was horrible. Um, and so I think, and again, it's because all you have to do is be yourself. And then, you know, there's, there's little things, but I think anyone can be a great salesperson. I don't think it's you're born with it, but what I do think is some people are definitely born a little bit more naturally charismatic. Um, and my business partner is a great example. You know, I see people talk about it all the time. He was like a frat vice president, right? Yeah. Very friendly dude, very charismatic. So I think some people have that. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people kind of have that natural charisma, but you're speaking on how even yourself, who is naturally introverted, has been able to develop the skills of just having a conversation, putting themselves in a comfortable position to just talk one on one with someone. So what would you say is the biggest mistake that people are making right now on their sales calls? Um, it's tough to say like what the biggest mistake would be, but I would probably have to say trying to use tactics. It's 
So trying to be too salesy, focus on all these right. tactics, scarcity, urgency, all these other things. And honestly, right. just go back to the roots of have the conversation and try <laughs> to help them. Right. Yeah, I think one of the great pieces of advice um, that I heard from Jose Rosaldo was that, like you said, people are becoming way smarter nowadays. They realize what's going on. And he has been taking on the tactic of instead of going into the sales call, trying to mask the fact that you're selling in order to get them to respond, he's taking the tactic tactic of being completely upfront that this is a sales call. And at the end of the call, I'm expecting a yes or a no, and we'll see if we can work together. And that puts the client, it really disarms things and puts the client kind of on that same level playing field with you, them realizing that they know everything that's going on and that at the end of the call, the decision lies with them. What do you think about that tactic? Yeah, we actually do that. Um, we normally either put it in the, in the qualifier on like the Calendly or Acuity or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then also sometimes we will say it on the call. Awesome. You need to drink some water, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, dude, it's um, I lost my voice the other day from tennis. Oh man, it's it's, it's going away again. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Man, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I like about you is that your tweets are super like straight up. Like it it almost seems like let's say I'm just gonna put myself in the position of some one of these Twitter hustlers, quote unquote who is doing all the affiliate links, the affiliate products, yeah. you know? And I would imagine if I was one of those people going through your tweets, I would just feel like shit. I'd be like, damn, like he's right. Like I, I'm, right. I would have to solve some affiliate courses uh, to make this amount of money. So for kind of those Twitter dudes who are stuck in that rat race, who may have a good work ethic, but are stuck in that rat race of trying to sell the affiliate products and hustling, quote unquote, what's the first step they can take to get out of that rat race and get into the real big business. Right. And I mean, even if you're doing something like affiliate marketing, you know, I think you can still learn the important skills like copywriting and sales. So learn the important skills and then sell them. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, one question I'm curious about is say someone was kind of in your shoes when you first got into entrepreneurship, uh, what would be your recommendation to them as far as should they kind of taste test a bunch of different business models and markets, or should they kind of try one thing and commit to that for a certain period of time? I wouldn't tie yourself down to one at the start um, because there's so many great business models now. Like, for example, I really do like the cold email agencies. I really like email marketing for e-commerce brands. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook ads, but I wouldn't limit yourself to one. I would see what you enjoy and what your strengths are. And then once you find that, go all in. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, another thing that I'm kind of curious about, you touched on your ultimate goal being after scaling and optimizing and systemizing what you're currently working on now, mainly focusing on passion products. So I want to you know get a little personal and kind of figure out what are some of the underlying passions that you have that some of your Twitter followers may not be seeing. So, and again, it's, it's cliche, but I don't like the education system. I don't, I don't like the way that it functions. I don't think 
that someone that wants to be an accountant should have to test psychology class or philosophy yeah. and pay for that. Um, so something that I really think should be a thing is more accessible, cheaper, and faster virtual degrees. So I don't know how that would happen, how I could you know bring that into fruition, but that's yeah. something that I want to work on. Yeah, I think that that's huge. That's something that Jack and I have discussed um, a few times on the show before because we've kind of gone that route ourselves. We're both still um, in college taking classes, but we've also gotten um, education from quote-unquote alternative systems that has been literally a hundred times more valuable than what we've learned in years um, in, in college for the same amount of money. And I think that one of the distinctions between getting coaching from somebody that may not be recognized as legit, but may be way more valuable and just the standard college degree is just that degree of recognition. So I think that if you can develop a system that makes your education quote unquote legit, where people understand that they are qualified when they go through your system and they have a certain set of skills when they go through your system, then it can start to be kind of more widely accepted by employers and by kids' parents. Right. Right. And that's part of it, obviously, you know, like your degree is your like ticket to a job. Um, and again, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but when you do see these people that are going into so much debt, they're literally going to be paying off for the rest of their life. You know, you just have to think there has to be a better way. Yeah. Um, do you think college is a good idea for maybe kids right now that are about to graduate and they honestly, they want to do their own thing. They want to start a business or be an entrepreneur. Do you think that's a good idea for them to still go to college or not so much? Yeah, I think they should. Um, but like community college or, you know, somewhere that they can go for very cheap because I also don't think it's a good idea to, you know, drop out or not go to school, but with no plan. If you have a plan, then sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of uh, kids kind of get caught up in I'm going to do this alternative college is definitely not for me, but they forget that there's still work that needs to be done. You still have to have some kind of track record. And I think some people make the mistake of going the alternative route, thinking that it's going to be easier when in reality, because there are so much less systems and roadmaps in place uh, for these quote unquote side hustles that end up turning into huge businesses. It actually takes a lot more responsibility, a lot more work on your part. If you do want to explore that freer alternative route. Absolutely. Cool, man. So close us off. What's the best piece of advice that you would give to someone listening right now who uh, is maybe in your shoes from when you just got into drop shipping or e-commerce and you're just dabbling around trying to figure things out and maybe it's not working for them. What would be your advice to them right now? Keep going. Um, again, cliche, but I lost money in drop shipping for like nine months. Um, you know, like it's going to suck, but just keep going. Just keep on going. I love it. So yeah, Alex, be where, persistent. <laughs> absolutely. So where can the people find you? I'm sure people listening right now want to learn more from you, maybe get some help from you. Yeah. I mean, they can check me out on Twitter. I think my handles at Alex H four, five, nine. So yeah. Incredible. Awesome. I hope everyone listening took some notes because we got some insane value out of this conversation. And if you want to learn more from Alex, I will have all these links in the description. So definitely check him out. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we're so grateful to have you on here. Appreciate both of you. It was a lot of fun. All right. So 
some absolute knowledge bombs dropped by Alex there. We got really, really deep into some of the strategies and kind of what he was working on there, but I think it was amazing that at the end of that conversation, his advice was to keep going. We hear it time and time again from the biggest players in this space, and that is keep going, keep showing up, keep doing the things you know you need to do to better yourself, to get 1% better every day. I thought it was really interesting how someone who's performing at such a high intricate level offered that very, very simple advice at the end of that discussion. That's really all it comes down to. So look, if you wanna learn more from Alex, go ahead and check him out. We have his links in the description to check him out on Twitter. Uh, main place that you can find us as well is on Twitter. So we're gonna have our links in the description for both myself and Gabe, so check it out. And if you're someone who's looking to transform your body, Go ahead and message either one of us the word transformation and we'll go ahead and help you out. Um, last note, go ahead and rate this podcast five stars if you haven't already. Thanks so much. You have an amazing rest of your day.